I'm Julie Newmar. Well, you're a, a part of the enchantment. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure about that. And we're on Sci-Fi Saturday night. That sounds good. That sounds perfect. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye by Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. It is TalkCast 207. Uh, for those of you counting, that would be 2-0 and then the, the line with the, the thing. Tonight, uh, trees have been killed to make this podcast available. Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 21 promenade adjacent to the Buffy Summer Slip and Slide and across the quarter from the Limping Tim's Galactic Goose Jerky Shack. I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are many of our usual suspects in the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, president of technicalness, but sometimes level-headed, oft-times outspoken, occasionally awesome, and potentially acerbic, potentially acerbic, no, absolutely acerbic, Kriana. The ants are glaring at you. Slowly. Perfect. From the stacks of her personal silent zone in the Dank Dungeon Reading Room, staff writer for Robot E Weekly... She's got books and cats who may or may not be mechanical, and when she remembers to unmute herself, she can be quite interesting and verbose. There was a robot. Its name was the Zombrarian. Now I'm a robot? <laughs> yeah, well, I've gotten that way. What can I, I didn't know I was a robot. It's like that Goosebumps book. <laughs> yeah, I which... knows which one I'm talking about. I totally do. I love Goosebumps. <laughs> Our guests tonight are a duo of gentlemen that we met at Rhode Island Comic Con. Um, what we would call some of the old guard from the cartoon era. Uh, gentlemen pencilers and journeyman inkers, Rusty Gillian and Jim Taylor. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, how's it going? Oh, <laughs> we were just wondering if you actually remembered to unmute yourselves tonight. <laughs> Yay, inkers! Inkers are the best. Thank you. Actually, we should we should say shout out to our good friend Bob Almond, who's still not feeling well. Yes, we absolutely should. Man. So get get well soon, Bob. Yeah, have a good one, Bob. We'll be thinking of you and uh, keep the keep the candles lit for you because uh, yeah, you're a good guy and all that stuff. Wow, that was awkward as shit. Extremely wasn't it? eloquent, as always. I, I had my eloquent moments that wasn't even close to one. <laughs> so, uh, it's a week, two weeks after Rhode Island. Uh, we spent a, uh, a couple of hours at a place called. Uh, uh, where were we in Portsmouth? Oh, Anthocon this weekend. Yeah, we were. And we met some. More people have messaged me about those pictures than like 
<laughs> any other pictures. I don't know why. They aren't as odd as some other ones we've had taken of us. I must say they were fairly straightforward and fairly normal. Except for the one of the author who was photobombing us in the middle of it. That was cute. So, you know, we've got that going on. And, and we had some very, very interesting uh, people that we met. Uh, we saw a, a number of our friends at Books and Booze. Books and Booze! It's spelled B-O-O-S, not B-O-O-Z-E. But it could be, and that would also be, be awesome. <laughs> but it isn't. And Christy Schoonover, Peterson Schoonover. I didn't wow! Wow, you totally know her name. I know. Christy Darlin and and the the random young lady who sat down in the middle of our meeting with us. I still don't know who that was. I have no idea who that was, but it was one of the most random events of the weekend. Uh, we were introduced we, and she was very, very nice, though. Oh, yeah, she was absolutely sweet, but it was just an odd happenstance. Uh, Anthocon, for those of you who don't know it, is a small... Uh, writers conference in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, it and is were... basically the Horror Writers of New England's conference because they're m most of the people there. And it is basically, I guess, Horror Writers. And it was it was an interesting afternoon, I must admit. They should just call it the Horror Writers Convention. It was cool, though. I liked it. I've never seen so many bloodied book covers in my life however you haven't been in the right parts of the yeah bookstore. i was gonna say what's wrong with you i know i i've led a sheltered life what can i tell you Obviously. and in in two weeks we will be attending um our last convention of this year oh thank god our last convention of this year is it uh yeah please dear god well because <laughs> we've had a very full Late summer, early autumn. It has been a... And it was compressed because of the incidents that went on in Boston. What happened to spring convention season? Is no one doing that anymore? Evidently not. <laughs> like, just there, everyone was like, you know what? Fuck April. Let's just do November. Just everyone together. Together. Kind All at once. Bizarre. So in any case, uh, in two weeks, uh, Super Megafest in Framingham, Massachusetts will be our last stop in the convention circuit this year. And uh, going to be a ton of really interesting people there. The, the weird thing for me is that, well, aside from the weird thing for me, is that <laughs> Too much information already. Way too much information. Is it, this is one of the few shows that we, we're going to this year where... Uh, I guess the artists really aren't the big draw. This is more of a... Uh, wrestler show. No, not not just wrestlers. But they're no. a big part of it. They are, they are. Hey, I wonder uh, if Rafiki's going to be there. <laughs> we will have to ask our own wrestling expert <laughs> next time he's on the well, show. What is his actual name again? I don't know what we... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel really bad now. Apparently, according to my brother. <laughs> oh, good lord. Zombie, not quite illiterate. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was really mean. That was really mean. Just, just a little. My bit. brother is a very, very sweet young man. He has lots of talents. Academics isn't one. Um, but anyway, <laughs> one of his talents is knowing what people like, and he tells me that there is an absolutely huge intersection between sci-fi fans and wrestling fans. I don't know how that could possibly occur. I think um, that there are a lot... If you think about it, there are a lot of like ways they come together, like bad special effects, and mm-hmm. it's not real, but some people think it's real. And steroids. And the and- people who think it's real will defend its reality, like, really hard. Alright, so I have to I have to admit, they've gotten some better guests since the last time I was here. Oh, they definitely um, have. Liza Dushkanu is going to be there. And uh, Christopher Lloyd. Whoever that is. Christopher Lloyd was the doc in Back to the Future. He's still alive? He was with the Reverend Jim from Taxi. He's still alive? Judge Doom from Who Played Roger Rabbit. He's yes, still he's still alive? alive. Absolutely. <laughs> And, 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 some variant, we have to go by this guy singing, Draco Malfoy, what's your problem? <laughs> <gasps> yes, Tom Felton is going to be there. I, that's all I want to do every time I see him now. Yeah, I know. <gasps> this actually, is actually a really big one. Yeah. How is this not on my, I was like, oh yeah, Super Mega Fest, that's like a little thing, right? Oh no, my it's god! Not. Here's another one that I didn't know was still alive. Jeannie! She's alive? Who knew? I know. Like, I Dream of Jeannie? Yeah! yeah. The original I Dream of Jeannie. Oh my gosh, we have to interview her? I'm gonna blush the whole time. She is so hot. <laughs> She's like Julie Funny. Newmar and still you, really you, hot. You laughed when I said that about Julie Newmar. No, I didn't. She is still really hot. And and she is. she's a little firmer than Julie Newmar, it looks like, from this picture. Don't say that. Julie Newmar could mess you up. I don't think she's as old as Julie, so... That's... Actually, she is. We should really stop before Julie Newmar gets added to the list of people who aren't going to come okay, back on our... Jenna Jameson is going to be there. I believe oh, that's oh another God. porn star. Well, good to call add her. to our portfolio. Mm-hmm. And, and Elvira. We is that the real Elvira? Apparently. We've got to do this. We've How did we get press passes to this Because thing? I'm awesome. And I asked. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's going to be a good time. It and is. We oh, oh, and Ernie Hudson. Was he just at something that we were at? Yeah, he was well, around. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Billy West, who I would love to talk to again. I think we'll find it some time to talk to Billy again. Absolutely. And Kriana, who is constantly complaining about people listing things on the show, has now read well, actually, we're, No, I actually haven't. I, I'm only I'm pointing out the highlights, actually. There, there's a Playboy model, Miss June 1985. Ooh, she probably does not look like that anymore. There's a couple of Playboy models. Yeah. And for those of you who grew up in the Boston area... Um, Hey, there's this guy called Jim Taylor who's going to be there. Yeah, I heard about him. Uh, Frank Avers, who was Boston's own Bozo the Clown. And he was also, uh, he worked on Channel 5 for years. Oh my god. 
the guy who played Big Bird is going to be there. <gasps> Carol Spinney. The guy Carol whose Spinney? hand was up Big Bird's butt is going to be there. No, he was actually, know, he, he stood in the costume. But Oscar, He's he was totally tall. up his butt. All right, all right. Yeah. We're going to have to meet him and see how he compares height-wise to Doug Jones. Mm, indeed. Oh, God, you know who else is going to be in there? Who? Jamal Oh. Oh, we know him. I get emails from him all the time. Yeah, he's not working with, uh... God, what's that company that he's working with now? Yeah, I don't remember. Also, Ron Jeremy. <laughs> Why going after that? Um, well, because Drew has already pledged to interview him, so... Yeah, except she's not going to be there this weekend. Oh. For those of you who don't know, Ron Jeremy is famous... For being so, on VH1's short-lived reality show <laughs> about B-list celebrities all living in a house together and nothing else. I don't really think that's what he's famous for. I thought for. he was famous for having an enormous wang. Yes, yeah, that too. Kind of... Hey, you know what? What? Speaking of not Ron Jeremy... <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, well, hang on. Speaking of not Speaking Ron Jeremy. Speaking of Doug Jones, your friend and mine. Well, you're missing the boobs that came after Ron Jeremy. They're like, no, we're going to stop right, reading okay. the freaking website because I'm bored. But boobs. You're, you're clearly not looking at the website. So, Doug Jones, your friend and mine. Mm-hmm. I was really excited because I was watching the season finale of Face Off, finally, like two weeks after it aired. And he was and guess on... who's going to be a guest judge yeah. next season? I know. Ah! I'm so excited. That should be incredible. We'll give you more information as it develops. Will we? Be- well, because Doug Jones should be your favorite actor. I'm sorry. Oh, and, and the very last thing I want to say about uh, Super Mega. Ah, oh, you the Ghostbusters of New Hampshire will be there as well. There's lots of boobs. The Ghostbusters of New Hampshire will be there as well. A ton of boobs. And clearly, Kriana is somewhere else other than where she should be. Because there's a ton of them. I scarred Cam for life by mentioning Ron Jeremy. Yeah, I'm sure you did. (laughs) And Cam may not be the only one. I'm just curious what Ron Jeremy is going to discuss at the show. That's what I'd like to know. Maybe his gigantic wang. Probably. <laughs> hey, it's a Maybe super he's mega. a superhero. We don't know. Yeah, it's a superhero to have a really gigantic wang. That's his power. No, if it's a super mega fest, I mean, clearly the nickname works. You think with mega, Ron Jeremy's in. <laughs> I have no idea why he's going to be there. It's going to be a very odd situation. So, besides that, what else has been happening this week? Anybody? Please come up with something other than Ron. Uh, so, speaking of boobs, yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> she, she has, has nice them. ones. She's yeah, pretty she nice does. ones. She's also continuing to be a perfect human being. That's in true. every single way. Um, <laughs> at the premiere of ca- at premiere of Catching Fire, which comes out next week in general for the in theaters, and I am super excited. 
I am not for those. Triana's not, but she's gonna take me anyway because she loves me. But anyway, mm. they were at a premiere for Catching Fire, and um, she was walking the red carpet and doing her interviews and stuff, and saw a fan on the other side of the security barrier, and this poor girl was in the wheelchair and all overwhelmed and excited and I know personally how this feels the pork she got so excited she started to cry and Jennifer Lawrence saw her crying made them take down the security barrier well she pretty over- much just like hiked herself over it she was yeah, like I'm going in her nice. gown and um and went over and apparently spent a few minutes taking photos and having a conversation with this fan. There's video proof of this. It happened. There is video nice. proof. And Very so nice. basically she acted like every celebrity in the world should act. But don't. Just like a person. An awesome person. An awesome person. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. That's a, I it love doesn't, catching it fire. It doesn't happen often enough. So I wonder Speaking if Mark Jeremy would have done the same thing. <laughs> I don't know if he could have just pole vaulted right over. Yeah. Built-in pole. It's handy. Would you cry if you saw Ron Jeremy? <laughs> yes, I would. You, but for you? not the same reasons. <laughs> you may see this happen <laughs> two weeks from so, now. So, <laughs> you guys both made a big deal about going to go see Thor last weekend. We did not go see Thor last weekend. Uh, okay, figure. I got too lazy to see Thor we, last We um, may have stayed home and eaten ice cream and watched more Supernatural. Zombrarian is up to season six. We're going for the gold. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to catch her up. It's going to be good. Someday I will be caught up with modern culture and then the world will implode. Yeah, life as we know it will end at that point. Yeah. But now she's getting all the fun supernatural in jokes, so that's amazing. <laughs> oh, good. Ass butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of things that don't happen often enough speaking or of ass at butt, all, yes. or ass butt, there's a Doctor Who 50th anniversary prequel, and everyone must watch it immediately. Also, I just saw it right before the show, so I haven't seen it yet. So, we're going to pause right now. If you're listening to this on your iPod, just pause. <laughs> Wrong. Click on the link. Go watch it. Come back. We'll wait. Okay. You now that you're back. <laughs> or it's at least a sound effect, for Christ's sake. Uh, I'm too lazy. What else is no? <laughs> so... Yeah, the whole uh, John Hurt thing in this is kind of amazing. Is it? And silence, because I'm watching it right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not watching it right now. I'm talking to Cam. <laughs> Cam and I are having a really important conversation uh, about Super Mega Fest. Oh, good lord, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, good lord, no. We're talking about Ron Jeremy's Wang. Okay, I doubt that completely. <laughs> Well, we were. So when you watch the 50th anniversary prequel, you will be immediately caught uh, within the first 30 seconds of an actor saying, oh, I'm the doctor, but I may not be the one you expected, which is a great line. You're uh, not Peter Capaldi. You're not anybody I recognize, quite frankly. Well, I mean, not as a doctor. Right. 
So it was, uh, yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, somebody actually sent me the link this morning at work, and I had to just basically stop working and look at it. It was quite good. And you didn't send it to me? Well, I figured you knew everything. Well, I usually do, yeah. That's true. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Doctor Who, the question has come up. Who owns the TARDIS? Your mom. My mom does not <laughs> own the TARDIS. Your mom does not own the TARDIS. It turns out that writer Anthony Coburn uh, originally wrote and invented the TARDIS. And uh, his family, now that he's gone, uh, would like some money for it. That's just disgusting. Now, Anthony Coburn's son, Steph Coburn, refers to Doctor Who as that children's program. Wow, he sounds like a dick. And then goes on in his statement to say, it was my father's idea to use a police box as a time travel machine, and that Doctor Who was allowed to use it all these years because of a verbal agreement made between my father and the BBC. Hmm. Sounds like a money grab to me, and I think they should go fuck themselves. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I see you have down here that there are some really cool ideas for the Wolverine sequel. I have another one. Don't make it. Don't make it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I knew I, where I, I was going with that. It's like you read my mind. I assumed you had one, and I actually read it. Yes. Uh... Although I must admit uh, that the current Wolverine movie that is just going into Blu-ray this week, uh, which I did actually see in the theaters, which is Wolverine with Samurais in Japan, is not as come from. Is not as dumb <laughs> as it sounds. Wait, we have to link to that movie. Hang on, I'm going to find a link to this movie. So I'm very in. You have to put it in the post for this. Is that the one from the Pete Holmes show? Yeah. But where am I from? Oh, for those of you who haven't been to properly with him, Pete Holmes is, uh, he's, he's got a TV show on TBS right after Conan. And Pete Holmes uh, has an incredibly sick sense of humor. And it's wonderful. And he spends a lot of time doing uh, parodies and illogical extensions of a lot of superhero movies. He spent uh, an entire seven-minute piece on Professor X firing Angel. Well, he has a whole series of those. He has one of him firing Wolverine, one of him firing Angel, and one of him firing Gambit, who Gambit. admittedly is a really useless X-Man. <laughs> like, I like I his character and all, and, and they made him super sexy in the movies, but like, if you think about his power, it's really fucking useless. I'm gonna defend Gambit right now, <laughs> um, just because. Just because my favorite X Men, like from when I was really small till now, was Jubilee. Who was Gambit? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Wait, what? Jubilee and Gambit are the same person? 
No. There but were a couple. Jubilee is even more useless than Gambit, yeah, so I, I feel like I should Gambit. Was supposed to be. What I'm is, not sure that there actually was. What one. is her power supposed to be? Jubilee, I think it's something to do with electricity. Mostly, I just remember that she had the most amazing gigantic hoop earrings. All right, I'm typing this into Google. What's Jubilee's power? The Let's power, see what the power to generate sparkles. Is that really is she has the Twilight power. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Wikipedia says. Um, Good lord! Wow. Okay, hang on. I'm going to read this whole thing. Okay. See, I told it's. Well, it's it goes back to me and glitter. Apparently, I'm glad you're not a teenager now because you'd be all Edward Cullen-y. No, I wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No, I would watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Ju- just like a Jubilee did. had the superhuman power to generate sparkles out of her hands, consisting of explosive plasma. Dun, dun, wow. Dun. Explosive plasma is cool. As opposed to non-explosive plasma. Okay. Oh, Marvel launched a self-titled series for Jubilee. <laughs> It yep. was canceled after six issues. <laughs> Who's surprised? Jubilee. Pete Holmes, <laughs> since I know you're listening, the next X-Man you should fire is Jubilee. Jubilee. <laughs> Please. And, and everyone will be, be cool? like, Who's Jubilee? And go Google her. And the first thing that's going to come up is Zombrarian's favorite X-Man. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm, I'm looking farther into this. Jubilee okay. has had a diverse range of powers, and, and the first thing under this says vampire abilities. <laughs> Ju- oh, so Jubilee actually- has gained powers of a vampire from her transformation by the bite of Zarus, son of Dracula. Wow, when did Marvel jump the shark that hard? Um, X-Men has jumped the shark so many times, and, and no I- one wants to acknowledge it. But basically, no, but it started out jumping the shark and just has continued to do so. I don't know. I think that it, it's it's taken a number of odd turns, and and then all of a sudden somebody had a reset button and they got back to, you know, where they belonged. No, my 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 theory about X Men is that the X Men power of the mutant power of the writer of X Men is to make something that people still love. Even though it's ridiculous and depressing. Like, if you look into character histories on X-Men, they've all died at least once in horrible ways. Okay, wait a minute. So, apparently, there was a storyline where all the mutants lost their powers. Right. Okay, so Jubilee lost her sparkles and then became a vampire. And then got bitten by a vampire. Yes. Okay, I have a better... I, I want to stop this discussion. Okay, wait, yeah. Because I, I, have I think question. we need to write an open letter to Marvel right now. No, we don't. What? No, what we need to do is two things. Number one, we need to write an open letter to Pete Holmes, because I'd like him on the show. Yeah, that would be fun, and he should definitely fire Jubilee. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, I have a question for you. Okay. Griana Zombrarian, hmm. how would you like to be in Star Wars Episode Seven? I would Nope. I would have to acknowledge J.J. Abrams' existence. Well, let's assume for a minute that there was somebody out there who actually did. And I'm guessing that there will be. Um, 
about a month ago, there was an open casting call in Great Britain. And there was just announced another open casting call in the U.S. in four cities. Three cities, actually. Uh, and also a video, a place where you do email videos. And the open casting call, it has been determined, was for Star Wars Episode Seven. Well, let, let me just state that the rage I'm feeling right now is the reason we need gun control in America. <laughs> so if you happen to be in Austin, Texas, or Nashville, Tennessee... Because those are the best places to find. Animals. Evidently. And we actually already missed the one. Oh, it's actually it was actually happening tonight as we're taping in Chicago. Um, so everybody in Chicago on this balmy November evening, pull out your metal bikinis. Oh, God. And head on down. Hey, you laugh, but those people will be the guests next year at Rhode Island. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I was they the fifth person in the bar. <laughs> Is that anything like Third Zombie from the left? Exactly. Well, that's what Dead Redhead was in many movies, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I was Third Zombie from the left. I auditioned for Fourth Alien on, on, on the barroom floor. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. And we find ourselves at the halfway point of the show right now, which is kind of odd that we're there, because uh, it's time to talk about our, our poll. Uh, and thanks, thanks to the idiots at Facebook uh, who took away the whole polling thing, uh, we've now actually... Be, it's become an email list more than anything else. So I want to thank uh, Mark Zuckerberg for being a jerk. Uh, this week's poll is where were you? Where would you like to be spending Thanksgiving? Um, in every particular order, in third place, spending it with the coven uh, in New Orleans from American Horror Story. Uh, was in third. In second place, uh, Firefly from Serenity came in second. Although, I don't recall them having a very comfortable place to eat in, in the uh, in there. And and first, coming in first... They, did. Us, they had, like, big well, they family-style had, dinners all the time. Yeah. They made uh, a really big deal and that. endearing. And hard metal tables and chairs. It was uh, good. And coming in first was the TARDIS, where I don't think I've actually ever seen anybody eat a meal. But neither here nor there. Um, but in the TARDIS, most of the people who said the TARDIS cited the fact that if you were in the TARDIS, you could actually spend Thanksgiving where and whenever you wanted. And have it be bigger on the inside every single time. Exactly. Uh, Guinea honorable mention was the Millennium Falcon. Man, uh, that seems like it would be cramped. Ha having Thanksgiving dinner on Flatlands, you would never know how big you were getting. Uh, eating it on Babylon 5 for no apparent reason. Uh, eating it with the Adams family and Moonbase Alpha from Space 1999. So, yeah, that, that was... Are those honorable mentions or just all the other answers? No, there were like gazillions of others, thank you very much for no apparent reason, because once again, you know, our, our friends at Facebook have made sure that it's very difficult I do not think that word means what you think it means. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it does. Thank you. Friend? 
Oh, that one. No, no, definitely not that one. Speaking of Friends, and and I'm not necessarily talking of the, the ABC series, uh, when we were at Rhode Island Comic Con, uh, Kriana, no, it was, uh, it was Drew pulled me aside and went, you got to go meet this guy. He's really cool. He's an inker and he's performing marriages. I went, what? <laughs> well, that, guy, that guy sounds cool. I'd like <laughs> Thank to you, meet Rusty. Him. <laughs> and he brought me over. She brought me over to Rusty Gillian, and we talked for a while about the good old days and and what it was like. And and we talked about some of his stuff working with the Animal Rescue League, and we talked about his partner who wasn't there that day, uh, Jim Taylor, who I met the following day, who's not an inker but a penciler. And I'm going to get an actually definite answer on what the difference is between the two. Anyhow, these are our guests this after, this evening, Rusty Gillian and Jim Taylor. Gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. How's it going? It's 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 a it's a it's an interesting time here on Sci-Fi Saturday. I've heard the first half. Ah, yes, <laughs> you. Um, so let's talk a little bit uh, about the production that you guys are currently in the middle of, of working with. It's a book called Recollection, Retro Memories in a Digital Age. So what's that all about? Well, Recollection is <clears throat> basically a, it's like a celebration of the word retro. We started doing, well, the both of us, Jim and I, we're, we've been good friends for a long time and we do a lot of work together. And we constantly talk about uh, the original Batman and the original Daredevil and how, you know, the Golden Age comics were a lot more satisfying to their readership at the time than comics today are. I mean, there was basically no 52, there was no ultimate, there was no, you know, constant nonsense of changing the sheets and kicking people out when they were right in the middle of a story. Reboot and, every two um, years. Yeah, exactly. Does it or not? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I vote not. Mm -hmm. So um, the real crisis is keeping the readers on board. But um, we, we started talking about the idea of putting together something where we could, uh, you know, broadcast the kind of stuff that we like. Um, the Golden Age and the Retro Ages, you know, the early Silver Age stuff. And the idea came about to do half news and a half anthology where we could present newer stories. And, and Jim can tell you about that. He actually has a, a newer story in the first one. Now, the first issue came out at Rhode Island Comic Con, is that right? That was the debut, yes. <sighs> and... We Jim, want to make what, a big splash, and we figured that's that was the best place to yeah, start. Was right after not a, not a bad place, no, not a bad place at all. Um, it's a fun, it's a fun show. It it was a yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, that's for a show that's only two years old. Holy crap! Did that get big quick? Well, Steve Perry first started out doing local, you know, doing local shows. He was doing the uh, South Coast show and all right. on and on. And then all of a sudden, bam, the idea came for the Rhode Island show. And um, I thought, wow, this is awesome. I couldn't wait to get on board with the, uh, with the Rhode Island show. First show that Jim and I did, we were in the, uh, the artist's alley all the way against the wall. And... <clears throat> we did um, 
one of the posters. Didn't we do a Batman poster for the first one? Yes. Yeah, and then we did some work for the program, and um, I released a, a, a special print for the show. And then this year we were invited back as guests, and we had done some other stuff. Uh, we did the badges, and what else did we do, Jim? We did some uh, prints that they handed out for the first, uh, I don't know, what was it, 100 or 200 uh, yeah. people in the door. We had the nice. Superman print. So and they, and even those were classics. Uh, it was the retro look at Batman, Golden Age of uh -huh. Batman, and the uh, Superman was more like the fifty, you know, fifty sixties style. You know, we even used the look. We even yeah. used the intro from the show on the poster, and that actually got us a lot of uh, really welcome compliments. So I was really happy about that. Good piece it was. So what is it? What is it? You you guys have been. In the comic industry for a while, three weeks, yeah. three whole weeks. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, he actually started before me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Jim, how long have you been in in, in comics? Um, I think it's I think it's time we take this over, Jim. Jim, how how long have you been in comics? Just about thirty years. Oh wow! Wow. What and what was your first job? First, my first actual job was working for a, a publisher, uh, One Shot Press. It was uh, just a local guy that wanted to put out uh, horror stories. And so he saw me uh, selling my art at a, at a convention. He approached me and he goes, he says, I've got this book I want to put out. And it's all horror stories. Can you do horror work? And I was like, sure. And um, sure enough, he, he, he took me in and I ended up doing a few stories for them. And uh, they got published, and I was real happy, and it just started from there. Other people noticed the work, and, you know, just it's, it's almost a word-of-mouth thing. Oh, well, I like that. Can you do mine? So. <laughs> and, and how did that make you feel? <laughs> Depressed. <laughs> the guy that he's talking about, C.J. Bunn, was probably one of the wildest characters back then i hate using the term independent but he literally put the word dependent and independent i'll tell you that much <laughs> so i noticed also in uh recollection rusty that you've got a uh a uh what looks to be a serial comic called uh, the adventures of mac and trouble yeah, I started doing Mac in Trouble a couple of years ago, and <clears throat> basically what it's uh, it's based on is two real-life cats that I have, and I started putting them into, like, funny animal sci-fi situations, and I've always, my whole career, I've always given money to either, you know, the church or to uh, animal organizations and animal charities, and when I first started doing the book, I got a couple of friends together and I said, look, uh, it's going to wind up being that it's from charity, you know, from the top down. Uh, and uh, I got a really good response. A lot of people were very interested in working on funny animal sci-fi, which is kind of an oddball thing. And a lot of people were interested in donating to animal charity. And uh, I was lucky in that respect. I've actually given a ton to animal charities from that project alone. Well, I noticed that, that at Rhode Island you also had a series of uh, small animal sculpture deals. Oh, yeah. We do a lot of, uh, 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 I guess you could say, folk art type pieces 
Um, we normally have little statues or little figures of Mac and Trouble, the two cats. Mac is a tuxedo cat. He's black and white. And Trouble is a, uh, a kind of a striped tabby cat. And what happens is you get the kits with the stuff in it, and they give you dogs and frogs and bulls and whatever the hell else they come up with. And um, <laughs> we just do, like, little folk art things of the of the other guys, the other animals, you know. Because, I mean, hey, there are other animals other than cats. Well, I, don't, so I, don't, I don't know how that anybody cares. But anyway, uh, but we put together those things, and we have trading cards and T-shirts and blah, blah, blah. Um, over the past couple of years, I've probably given about uh, $5,000 to $6,000 alone just from the Mac and Trouble project, um, from the various sellings and on and on and on. I put up things on eBay, and I run contests on my Facebook and what have you. And, um, you know, it's, it's a very rewarding thing when you can put together a comic, just like people do for Hero Initiative or Comic Book Legal Defense Fund or, or what have you. And Jim and I just recently worked on a Boston Marathon charity book. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a rewarding thing when you can see something that you're doing, you know, blossom right in front of you and, and, and you know, take growth. Are we still talking about Ron Jeremy? <laughs> God, I hope not. Please, please, dear God, I hope not. So, so Rusty, how long ago did you get into comics? Um, I started in. I, I, there's, you know, there should not be any math in this program at all. Okay. Uh, I started working in uh, comics officially in '78 when I was very young, but my first official job came in uh, 80, 81, and um, it's been a roller coaster ride because you get to see all the different phases. Every two years, you know, it's another phase, and um, I was lucky enough to work with some, with some large publishers and work on some large films at the time. And, um, you know, there are times when you're on the ground floor looking up, and then there are times when you're on the top floor hoping that you won't hurt anybody when you fall down. <laughs> so, or jump, in my case. Or jump, right. When yeah. Have, <laughs> or have somebody push you. Yeah, oh, well, listen, listen, there's a long list of people who want to push me. I'm just too fat to move. <laughs> so, Rusty, how did you become an inker? What... When did you realize that that was your niche? I was at a convention in Los Angeles called the uh, Los Angeles Sci-Fi and Comic Book Con, um, run by Bruce Schwartz, who was one of the biggest comic book promoters for shows at the time. I know he still does stuff. His shows are huge. But this was, you know, it was a different time. And <clears throat> it's like comparing the Lucy show to a modern-day television show. And uh, I sat next to... Uh, Jack Kirby, and um, oh, nobody, was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's where that's where you feel you feel small, you know. Oh God, that's yeah. Where, you know, that's where you you know you show up to the show and you got a hole in your sock and you say, "Yep, that's about as good as I feel." But I sat next to Kirby and uh, I was signing because I had just gotten done working on the original heavy metal movie, and um, Kirby was a super nice guy 
And um, he gave me, while we were sitting there during a dull point, he gave me my first crow quill, which is basically like the tip of a fountain pen that you dip into ink. And he gave me a swatch of Bristol board, which is a, a nice thick board to work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, it was, you know, it wasn't the style of board that he, even he worked on. Um, but he gave me those. And I was just enamored. I was, you know, at the time, I loved doing shy pencilings and, and, and doing writing. And it was just amazing. And he just was so fluid with what he did between the crow quill and the brush. Um, I, that's just what I wanted to do. And that was it. I just patterned myself after him. Uh, it was only in the past couple of years that I've started doing any penciling again in sketch cards. But uh, inking is just my passion. And I got to say, no joke either, uh, just because, you know, <clears throat> he's within earshot. But um, one of the best pencilers that I've worked with in the industry has been, has been Jim here. Um, his work is phenomenal. Uh, he's check is in the mail. Yeah, <laughs> my my head is almost as big as Ron Jeremy now. Um, the uh, the he he has a really strong uh, uh, passion for for correctness in his artwork, and he's got a very strong command of the anatomy that's really lost on today's market. So it's a pleasure to work on his stuff, especially as an anchor. So, how long have you two guys been working together? What's today? <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday. Has <laughs> <laughs> no, it been a whole week? We, yeah. we let's see. Uh, strangely enough, come to find out, Rusty had actually inked something of mine years before we actually uh, met, either face to face or yeah. At that at that time, there wasn't even a Facebook or anything. So, uh, and we just recently realized that he had inked something that I had worked on. Uh, for Trinity Comics, uh, for the Rage character, years before. But, uh, no, we've known each other, I would say, probably better than um, close to 15 years, don't you think, Rusty? I would say so. Yeah. And uh, we we just, we, we ended up seeing each other. We met at a convention, and, you know, we talked and everything like that. Still didn't know that he'd inked anything that I worked on. And you know, we... we uh, Exchanged information, and we worked on a couple of small projects there, and it's just developed since then. Very cool. That's a great thing about the industry, getting back to the golden age and the retro thing. Years ago, artists would, would, there was no Facebook, there was no internet, there was no anything like that. And what happened was, uh, you know, they'd work in the same studio, they'd, 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 you know, go jogging together or go drinking together or whatever. And you you can't uh, make me believe for a minute that they were jogging together. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah. But anyway, but the thing is, is that, uh, um, these were, these were jogging track. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we had fitness back then. Shut up. Um, you know, get, get off my lawn, you kid. Um, but the thing was, is that, uh, you know, there was much more personalization back then. Today, I guess, with the internet and all the local... Oh, did we lose you? You might have. You, you might have lost Rusty for a second. He lives out in the deep woods of Pennsylvania. Oh, no. Oh, no. So he'll, he'll, he'll probably be back on shortly. I'm monitoring the situation closely. So. Okay, very good. 
So, Jim, um, yes. you're going to be at MegaFest next weekend. Absolutely, yes, I will be there. And uh, hopefully, uh, for people going to MegaFest, you should drop by. They should see you. Uh, hopefully, uh, be able to. Will they be able to uh, get a copy of uh, Recollection there? Yes, I'll be having Recollection there. I'll have some other stuff with me as well as uh, as well as uh, art prints and everything. So, try to bring everything that I've got. Awesome. The book is called Recollection, uh, The Gentleman of Rusty Gillian, Jim Taylor, Classic Serials, Creator Spotlight, Amazing Pinups, Original Comics. It's a really neat little book. Check it out if you get a chance because it's really cool. I want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Kriana, my darling. Yes, well... Next week, we talk to George O'Connor, and he's going to announce when 664, The Neighbor of the Beast, will be getting a third season with special guest Griffin S. You might want to turn that music up a little bit. Here we go. I didn't touch it. On November 30th, J.S. Morin introduces the final chapter of the Twinborn Trilogy. On December 7th, author, composer, and all-around awesome guy Rob Watts. On December 14th, Rob Smales joins us again to chat with us about his new book, Dead of Winter. On the 21st, legendary designer Tommy Zodos, and you'll have to find out what's happening in 2014 on your own. <laughs> Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic Con, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Heldefolk, at robwatsonline.com. Dome? I want to thank our guest tonight, and I want to thank our cast, as, as small as we were. And I want to take just a moment to say to uh, Illustrator X and Dead Redhead, thoughts and prayers are with you tonight. Uh, stay strong. From your revered time vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and Grammar Girl Zombrian. Thank you very much, ladies. You're welcome. Robots? She's, she's muted again, isn't she? I am not. <laughs> this is Dome saying, Genie shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. That sounds good. That sounds perfect.